Today's sermon text comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Hear now the inspired words of God. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of all the prophets are based on these two commandments. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So. Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Y'all remember that? That was, he was my companion every day after school. I'd, I'd listen to Mr. Rogers asking me to be his neighbor. And then I grew up, and Kevin and I got some of our first places, and we found it wasn't so easy as just saying, singing a nice little song. And um, you could pick where you lived, but you couldn't always pick who moved in next door or below or above you, right? Or how loudly they walked around. You remember that? Okay. Maybe not. Maybe that was just us that had that experience. Well, we lived next door to some lovely neighbors while we were in seminary, while I was studying to be a pastor. Uh, Jay and Carla were the best. Jay, we are still friends with them today. We, we follow them on Facebook. They're in North Carolina. We're here in Texas. When th- we lived next door to them, they would cook these amazing things. Remember what Carla could, oh my gosh. She once made this Yule log thing that looked like a log an actual log and tasted like heaven. And she would just bring things over like, hey, you want to try these? (laughs) Yeah. You know, we'd eat it all up. Um, We cut a community garden with them out of the weeds in the back of our apartment complex in Kentucky. And when the fire department came, we faced it down together. Um, Whenever we had an issue, however small or however big, we knew that right across the hall were our neighbors, Jay and Carla, and they'd help us. Now, before we lived next door to them, though, we had the exact opposite experience. We lived in a little apartment complex in Nicholasville, Kentucky, and we lived around ladies um, who were all chain smokers, every single one of them. And they were, I'll tell you about the one that was not nice, they were pretty nice ladies. We enjoyed living next to them, but we didn't realize that their life choices in their apartments bled in to our life choices in our apartments, right? And so we, we smelled the smoke when we moved in. It was hard to avoid, but we got used to it, I guess. We got used to it. Until this one time at Christmas, a couple months later, 
I had to go home for interviews for the Board of Ordained Ministry. They were going to interview me about, was I making progress towards being a pastor? And I'm sitting on the plane on the way home, and man, somebody reeked, just reeked of stale cigarette smoke. And so I was looking around, just kind of quietly thinking, who is that person? They really, I mean, that's, woo. Well, I get off the plane, my mom, and I say hi, and everybody's giving me a ride home, and I kind of forget that. And finally, we're, we're done with the day. I'm going to go upstairs and put my pajamas on. I will never forget this moment because I unzipped my suitcase like this, and I opened it, and I was almost knocked backwards by the smell of stale cigarette smoke. It made my eyes water. And at first, I'm thinking, oh, some baggage handler has been smoking. <sighs> And then it took a while to realize, oh, it's me. It's me. I smell like that. When the, and I called Kevin right up. I said, smell yourself. Do you, do you smell that? Smell yourself. Maybe, is it just this? I mean, I took them down and I washed them right away. And we realized when the air conditioning would kick on, once we realized it, it would start to smell like secondhand smoke in our apartment. And so our clothes were just living in that 24-7. And now take it one step further and think, here I am going to this very conservative seminary, okay? We had an ethos statement. There was no dancing. There was no drinking. There was certainly no smoking. So I go into class every day smelling like what? Like a chimney. And all of my classmates are, I'm sure, thinking, yeah, you're not living up to the ethos statement, you closet chain smoker. So anyway, that was, that was my life. That was our life, yours at the seminary, working there. I'm sure that was amazing too. But worse, worse than that, way worse, was the person who lived below us. We called her, I'll protect her name to protect the guilty here. Her, we called her Mrs. B, okay? Mrs. B. Mrs. B started my rap sheet. I'm not kidding. If anything happened to Mrs. B, she called the police. And who did she suspect? me. I'm shifty. And so I still remember the first time late at night, the police knocked on our door. Bang, 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 right? We walk and we open the door. <laughs> I was scrapbooking. Kevin was watching TV. You know, we're, I think you went to the door and I see two officers and I'm doing my little scrapbooking and we say, can we help you officers? And they say, well, we, we got some reports of a loud party. Oh, well, we haven't heard anything. No, on you oh, well, come on in, you know, <laughs> it's, it's scrapbooking night. Um, so that was a little off-putting. Ha it, ha it happened sometimes every month, sometimes every week. If her paper went missing, Mrs. B called the cops, and they came to investigate us. If her little garden gnome was broken, Mrs. B called the cops, and they came to us. And eventually we began to know them. And they'd say, so, you know we have to respond to all calls, do you know anything about this broken gnome? <laughs> Mrs. B, huh? Yep. Nope. We don't know anything about that. Okay. Well, you know, can you say where you were? I was in class studying to be a minister. Okay. <laughs> she was horrible. You can pick where you live, but you cannot always pick the people who move in next door, right? And sometimes it's beautiful who moves in next door to you. And all of you, I heard you laughing when Jim said, not all of us have had nice neighbors, right? 
there are some really tricky people. And I've heard the stories from branches that drop limbs and leaves in your yard to that dog that will not stop barking, right? What? Is it not driving them crazy? What's going on there? To that person who drives like a bat out of hell down the street and is going to kill someone. Any of y'all have that? Um, to have you ever been attacked by a demon dog in your own front yard? <laughs> I, maybe that's just me. Um, you, but you've told me stories, you guys. And it's way worse than just some of the things that are funny. There have been some of you who have lived next door to people who are angry and hostile and and really scary. There, somebody told me just this week, they said their little girls were out selling Girl Scout cookies in the driveway. Girl Scout cookies. And a neighbor drives by and stops, yells, yells at them from the window that they should not be doing that. Starts yelling so much that the kids run inside, start saying, I'm going to report you. This is against Girl Scout regulations. And starts taking pictures. Taking pictures of them. And the kids are hiding inside. So it's not always easy or simple or straightforward to love our neighbors because we don't always get to choose who they are, and they're not always the easiest for us to love. And yet as a church, we have heard and we delight in following the call of Christ. That We, we say even though we can't choose our neighbors, we can choose how to respond. We can choose to love them. And when we do that, we are following one of the greatest commandments. So Jesus, in this scripture that D.G. read, Jesus is asked by someone sincerely, there were 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 613. And this person just says, hey, out of 613, what is the most important for me to try to shape my life by? And Jesus says, well, it's two. Love God with all you are and all you have, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. He says, you can take all 613 and sum them up in these two. Love God, love your neighbor. And I know we talk about this a lot at church. We, we actually, when we hear the call of God to change the world, we delight in that. We delight in, you've told me stories about walking into a home after a hurricane that's been flooded and by the end of the week, you've brought hope. You've told me what it means to work at Helping Hand Crisis Ministry and to speak with someone or to say, hey, it's okay. You know, you're going to get back on your feet again. Some of you all are reading buddies over here at West Cypress Hills or at Spicewood Elementary, and to find a neighbor and a little child struggling to read is life-changing. You find neighbors when the kids save up money to help widows in Rwanda. The kids say, those are our neighbors. Yes, they are. And an orphanage in Guatemala, those are our neighbors. And we delight in that and spreading that love out from here, radiating it out and saying, because Jesus said, Jesus was radical about who our neighbor was, right? Jesus said, an enemy dying beside the road is our neighbor. And so we constantly are seeking to stretch that definition of who a neighbor is and and see that, okay, it's not only the, the parents in my kid's team and the kids on, that play with my child, but it's those rival parents, right? It's that other coach. It's the checker. It's the guy who cuts me off in traffic. We're continually stretching who a neighbor is. And what I find just in my own life is I, as I think and I stretch and I try to expand my view of a neighbor, sometimes 
In fact, a lot I tend to forget as I'm taking it symbolically and spiritually that Jesus certainly also meant for me to take it literally. That whatever else neighbor means and however far we stretch to love our neighbors, it's certainly, Jesus certainly meant that we needed to love the people next door, our actual neighbors. And when I think about that, I, I see some beauty in it. Because there are people who live next door to each of you who may never come to church, ever. Not our church, not any church. They may never get a chance to hear me teach something about God. They may never come to a Bible study or a small group. But God has someone already who can tell them, who can live out a life of faith for them. And it's you. It's you. You are God's witness, God's representative in your neighborhood. And when you think about it, these are the people, apart from your immediate family, your next-door neighbors are the people you're going to spend the most time with. You're going to see the most, right? Because they live next door. They live behind you. If you're in an apartment, they live below you. They hear every step you take. You know, these are the people that God is giving us this amazing chance to show love to. That's all Jesus asked, right? He said we would love them. We would love our neighbors. So I want us now to, I want you to take this out of your bulletin. Would you? Looks like this. We're going to talk about this a little bit because I would like you to fill this out this week, if you can, however far you can. This is a little sheet I heard about from some other pastors, and they said it was transformative in their church. Really eye-opening. So you are this yellow house. This is your house. And I know some of us live spread out, so the neighbors that are the eight closest around you are yours. If you're in an apartment, you can pick above and below and on the side. If you're on a typical street, it'll be more straightforward. But what I want you to do, not right now, but as you go home, is I want you to try to see how much information you can know or recall about the people who live next door. And so on each line of this little sheet, there's an A and a B and a C, and it's on the sheet in case you forget. On line A, I want you to write their names. First and last, first if you have it, leave a blank if you don't know, just the names of the people who live next door to you. Then on the next line, on line B, something deeper, just a little bit deeper, something you wouldn't know just from looking at them from the street, okay? You'd have to have had a conversation. Just on line B, write something that you wouldn't know from the street. And then finally on line C, that's deeper still. I want you to write down about your neighbors something of their hopes, their dreams, the challenges that they're facing, uh, the, the obstacles that they've overcome, something that you wouldn't know unless you had had a really nice conversation with them. And then see how you do. Okay, so let me tell you how I did on this. And I have, I'll tell you, as of this year in June, I'll have lived in my neighborhood for eight years next to my neighbors. Well, um, when churches do this, what we have found is that 10% of us can do all of line A. 10%. 90% of us can't. I'm in the 90%. There are holes of people I've lived next door to for eight years where I say, I think that that person is named this, but I'm not sure. Um, when you go down the list, the B 
3% of us can do that. Can name all of line B, all of line B. And what I found was interesting is I could give you a line B on everybody. But how does that help if I don't know their name? And then finally, line C, the something deeper, only 1% of us can say that about the neighbors, the all the eight neighbors that live around us. Only 1% of Christians can do that. And so this can be very convicting. It was for me. But I looked at this and I thought, okay, Jesus calls us the two greatest commandments, to love God with all we are and to love our neighbors. And whatever else Jesus meant, he definitely meant the people who live next door. And for me, that's going to start by learning some names. And so one of the first things I did is I found the best neighbor that we have, Miss Flo, who's here in worship today. Hi, Miss Flo. She's amazing. If you want to learn about being a good neighbor, I'm embarrassing her. She's going to kill me now, but talk to her. So I, I, she is, right? She's going to kill me, yeah. Um, I went and I, I had her help me with some of the names. Maybe you have a Miss Flo in your neighborhood who knows everybody. And, and if you're missing some names, you could find that person and say, hey, help me with some names. Or maybe um, I started dreaming and I thought, well, it, do you have a dog? Take the dog for a walk. That's a great way to meet your neighbors. Uh, if you have a cute little kid, take the cute little kid for a walk. That's a great way to meet neighbors, let me tell you. And just stop and talk. And what I would do if I didn't have Miss Flo is I would go up and say, hi, I'm Laura. And I know you've introduced yourself to me, but I have the worst memory, and could you remind me what your name is? And then as soon as I got home, I would write it down. I'm, I'm going to keep this on my fridge. I would write it down so that the next time I see that neighbor, I can call them by name. Because calling someone by name is our first step to loving them, to know their name. How else do you do this? If you're like me and you're in the 90% or you're in the 99% for the bottom, you don't know something deeper, well, you just start to, you start to create those connections. All of us have something we're good at. Um, I'm looking at Diane. I'm, you're, she's going to hate me too for calling her out, but she's amazing with birds. She can take a little bird, and if, it's, if it has lost its mother, she can nurse it back to health. And so I'm sure there's a way using that gift of birds to meet neighbors if you're Diane. Um, some of y'all are amazing with plants. Pull some bulbs, right, and take them over to a neighbor and say, here, I have these, would you like them? Uh, Miss Flo has done that with me. We have plants because Miss Flo has shared plants. You, and she has a pool. Yeah, she actually, that's how she reached out to us to begin with, is she, she has a pool we don't have a pool, and she said and meant it, anytime the kids want to come over and play in the pool, they can come play in the pool. And she meant it. And she means it, means it for all of our neighbors. So maybe you have a pool that you could share with some neighborhood kids. Um, maybe you're amazing at grilling, DG. I mean, how often have you used amazing cooking skills like Jay and Carla to reach out to a neighbor? Um, the kids, I, I saved a couple of these because I'm thinking Asher could draw some scribbles on this and I could go over and have a way to meet the neighbors that I don't know as well. Just whatever you have, whatever you're good at, whatever opportunities you can take or make, take them. Because when you do, you are fulfilling what Jesus said was the greatest commandment in all of the Bible. 
the way that we live out our faith is we love our neighbors. And it has to start with the people who live next door to us. So I remember this day that Mrs. B had called the cops again, and I was fuming at Mrs. B and walking extra loud upstairs so that she could hear that. And Kevin said to me, (laughs) Kevin said to me, you know, I think she's lonely. And I said, well, that doesn't excuse it. But I went to school that day, and I was praying about it and how to respond. And I went down to study. We had, I was a post-grad at that time, and we had these little cubicles down in the basement of the library. Basement, no windows. And it was a great place to study. It was not very cheery. So I had this little betta fish. Y'all know those little colorful fish? And I'm just watching my betta fish swim around, and he's lifting my mood. And all of a sudden, I thought, Kevin's right. And part of who I'm called to be is someone who can love the difficult. So maybe if I gave her a betta fish that lifts my spirits in this basement, maybe it would, she'd have a friend, right? You can't give your neighbor a puppy, so a betta fish seemed the right choice. So I, I went to Walmart after that on my way home, and I found the prettiest betta fish I could think of, and I found a little bowl and a food and some drops for the water, And I put it all together, and the whole time I'm thinking, I am nuts. I am so nuts. I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, But I walked up. I took every ounce of courage I had. I knocked on the door, and she opened it, you know, watching her gnomes lest I kick one of them or something. I had this little fish, and I said, hi, Mrs. B. Um, I know this is a little strange, but I thought you might like a little fish. This I have a little fish, and it cheers me up so much, and it just brightens my day, and they're easy pets, and if you don't want it, I'll take it back. All right, well, come in. So she ushers me inside. I put the fish down, and she ushers me back out and closes the door, right? (laughs) And I went back upstairs and thought, wow, there goes all of my extra money on that this week, you know? And But the next, during the next week, every now and then she would open the door, and say, I named that fish, and tell me the name. I can't remember the name. Shut the door. And then she'd open it a little further and say, the fish is doing this or that. And I'd say, well, oh, you can put a mirror in front of the fish. Don't do it all the time, Mrs. B. But you can put a mirror in front of the fish. It'll puff up. You'll see how pretty it is. So then she tells me how that went. And finally, after months, she actually invited me into her apartment and gave me the tour. And someday I'll tell you about that, because... That was interesting in and of itself. (laughs) We did not live there much longer. Um, We lived there another couple of months, and we had to flee. It was, whew, my my asthma cannot take that. So we we fled, but Mrs. B, before we left, she said, you're going to be hard to replace. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I still think about Mrs. B. And I think about all of you, because... I know that this is how your hearts beat. I knew it from the first year that I started living here. And I had a neighbor who said, hey, come let your kids swim in my pool. I knew it when the Labor Day fires hit because as we went into the area that was burned by the fires and we had had people in this congregation that were in danger or that lost homes, 
I would drive in those neighborhoods and all the neighbors would come together and they would tell me stories about how in the dark of night they worked not only to save their own homes from the fire, which was sometimes a wall of flames, but if they saw it going towards a neighbor's house, even if that neighbor wasn't there, they did everything in their power to save their neighbor's home. And as we were there in the weeks and the months and the years after the fire, I watched as neighbors would gather together and would encourage each other, and they'd be on each other's property clearing and, and saying, I'll help you rebuild, or I have this tool, or we're going to do this together. Together is what I kept hearing in that neighborhood, together. And I, I thought about that that day, and I think about it still, that I want to live next door to people who will face the fire with me. I want to live in a neighborhood that will face the fire together. And that begins by me being the kind of neighbor who will face the fire with you. Jesus told us how he would do that. He said, love your neighbors. It's the greatest commandment. And so this week I'd encourage you, as you take that sheet home, as you look at it, figure out what your next step is. Is it time to learn some names? Is it time to take a little bit of grilled wonder over to someone? Or, or maybe you're going to ask for some help. Maybe you don't have butter, and so you'll ask for some butter. Now, how are you going to make those connections? Is it time for that? Is it time to maybe host a block party? Wouldn't that, maybe you're good, like Miss Flo, you're, you got it, right? If anyone could ever host a block party, though, to get people to know each other, it's Miss Flo. And you know what? She's done that so that we can get to know each other. Maybe that's you in your neighborhood. But wherever you are, you are the person that God has there. You are the person God has on your street. So love your neighbors. Love your neighbors. I know you will. And as we do that, that's how the world changes starting with the people next door. Let's pray. God, you know that we can pick where we live, but we don't often pick the people who live next door. Um, that sometimes it's hard, or the time is tight, or a million other reasons. Help us to hear your commandment that we should love you with all that we are and we should love our neighbors. Help us to begin doing that by showing love to the people next door. Give us an entrance, Lord. Give us a way when we're afraid. Give us a, a great idea of how we could do that so that our neighborhood could be the kind of neighborhood that faces a fire together kind of people who have each other's backs and that even if those people who live next door to us never get to come to church, they do in a way because of all the people of Bee Creek who live next to them and who live that out. I ask this in your powerful name. Amen.